Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this current series, we've been discussing CIC issue number 48, the dishonoring of God and popular spiritual warfare teachings. You can find that at the website CICministry.org. And today we're going to kind of pause that just a little bit, and we're going to talk about what we have been calling symptom relief or relief from the circumstances in our life. Quite often, probably that's the number one uh, question or reason that people contact us is they're looking for relief from the situations in their life. And that is why the spiritual warfare issue is, has become such a problem and why we spent so long talking about this. Now, we ended last week discussing the man in John 5 who was healed, but still wasn't happy after that. And we had mentioned that sometimes in these miracles of Jesus, people were healed, but not saved. And sometimes they're saved, but not healed. Now, as this week has gone on, Bob, you found some verses in Jeremiah that kind of apply to this situation and the conversation about symptom relief. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was really interesting because after we did that, and I was doing some teaching in Sunday school, and Jeremiah came up because we were talking about blessing and cursing. Okay. Blessed blesses the man who trusts in God, curses the man who trusts in man. Yes. And then I did some more work on that during the week here and looked up Jeremiah and I found something and I, I'm going to use it again Sunday, tomorrow. Okay. And it's about in Jeremiah's day, there were people who used as a reason why they wouldn't listen to what God said was things went better when they were under the queen of heaven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so the point is, if we decide that how we're going to serve God, what we're going to believe, whether we're or not we're delivered from the demons or whatever, based on symptoms, we'll get led astray every time. Exactly. And so let me read a couple of those verses. And then actually before that, I'm going to cover this tomorrow too in Sunday school, but it's very pertinent. Okay. Jeremiah 2, 13. It says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Okay. So now there's some irony there. Yeah. They don't want to listen to God. They didn't want to believe the words of his ordained prophets, but they wanted to do it their way. Right. And so that's in Jeremiah. Well, here's the irony. This came up last week when I was teaching in Sunday school. And then later in Jeremiah, okay, 2.13, they rejected the fountain of living water and hewn out cisterns. Ironically, in Jeremiah 38.6, listen to this. It's because Jeremiah kept telling them the same thing, that they were going to go off into captivity. They didn't want to listen to him. Yeah. Jeremiah 38, 6. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guard, 
letting Jeremiah down by robes. There was no water in the system, but only mud. And he sank in the mud. Okay. So there's their empty cistern. Yeah. They got an empty cistern. They put Jeremiah in there. Later, they got him out. And of course, he wouldn't change his message because he spoke for God. So I was researching that during this last week after we had talked about John 5 and the guy who was healed that could really show no interest in who Jesus was. Well, then talking about that kind of symptom relief, I heard some, I found some more material in Jeremiah 44. Okay. So uh, let's go to Jeremiah 44, 15. All right. Should I read that? Go ahead. I think I sent it to you if I remember right. Yep, I have it here. Jeremiah 44, 15. Then all the men who were aware that their wives were burning sacrifices to other gods, along with all the women who were standing by as a large assembly, including all the people who were living in Pathros in the land of Egypt, responded to Jeremiah saying, as for the message that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we are not going to listen to you. So they wanted nothing to do with what Jeremiah was saying. Should I go on to verse 17? Yeah, and it's really pertinent. Go ahead. All right. But rather, we will certainly carry out every word that is proceeded from our mouths by burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, just as we ourselves, our forefathers, our kings and our princes did in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, for then we had plenty of food and were well off and saw no misfortune. Yeah. So wow. they're looking at their symptoms. When we were when we were sacrificing to the queen of heaven, things went well. So we're just going to go back to that. Right. So one thing that everybody needs to learn, you cannot judge who's right with God, who's blessed, who God approves of based on circumstances, symptoms, feelings, or anything like that. Right. And so if God has spoken, which he had in the day of Jeremiah, who spoke for God, and those who believe and trust in Yahweh, as it says in Jeremiah 17, they're blessed. Yes. Okay. Well, Jeremiah was actually blessed, but you wouldn't believe it. No, every talk time, about bad circumstances. Yeah, every time he spoke the truth, uh, we don't like that. And then they stick him down in the cistern. Yes. And he kept saying, well, God's going to bring judgment and so forth and carry people off to Babylon. Well, Jeremiah ended up down in Egypt and it, he was blessed because he believed Yahweh, but the people weren't because they rejected him. Right. And they rejected the word of God. So here we have people rejecting the fountain of living waters. It means you never run out. It's always good. It's always there because it's provided by God. And let's just make a cistern. And I think it's pretty ironic. Maybe some of our listeners just want to study Jeremiah. It's pretty amazing. Yes. I had to do a little refreshing because I don't think I've, it's been like 30 years since I taught it much of, through Jeremiah. Okay. And I did it at one point, and so I refreshed myself. And notice I said, but we'll carry out every word that proceeds from our mouth. Right. Why? Wow. Because we have it good, and we're going by 
prosperity, whatever it is. Yeah. So that's what's wrong with so many of these teachings. Right. What, you know, if you look at most of the, the inner healing or theophastic or, you know, there's healing of memories, there's deliverance, there's so many different flavors of all this, but it's all the same thing. Let's try and find a way to manipulate the circumstances right. in our life. Well, there's another thing that's pertinent to the series we're doing here about dominion theology. Yes. Looking back at that, Jeremiah 44, 17. Okay. We'll out every word that proceeds from our mouths. Right. The dominionists say that if you speak a word and believe the word you speak, it will come to pass. Wow. So it does really apply, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. And then there's the verses you just mentioned. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Right. And that's exactly what they're doing. We'll believe our own words. That's good. Well, see, here's the connection. Our words are positive and they're good and they're hopeful. And we're not going to get sick and nobody's going to do anything bad to us. And we're going to have peace and prosperity. And if you believe that, you'll have it. Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, so on. Yeah. And so they're going by the circumstances in their own way because they're going to create them. Right. The inner healers are saying, well, you've got to process the past. Yes. Or people are saying, well, I thought God delivered me, but now I have symptoms. So evidently he didn't. Right. And, and that's just not how we determine that. Right. And how many people have gone back to the reject God and go back to the world because they had it better then. Yes. Which is exactly what was going on in Jeremiah 44. Right. The queen of heaven really got the job done for us. <laughs> right. Now, it you know, probably doesn't really matter that much who the queen of heaven is, but I did a little reading in logos yesterday it just for fun. And, you know, different commentators said different things. One said probably the Canaanite goddess Astart. Another said probably Ishtar. It doesn't really matter who, because what we've know, what we know from other passages, such as 1 Corinthians 10 and Deuteronomy 32, these false gods were demons. Right. They would rather go sacrifice to the demon queen of heaven, whatever you want to call her, right. than believe the word of God. Yeah, I did the same research. This Astart was goddess of love and fertility. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. The queen of heaven definitely isn't Yahweh speaking to his covenant people. Right. And if you read through the Gospels, and especially Luke-Acts, and then we, we referenced John last week. Yes. I don't know how anybody comes to the conclusion that you can determine who's blessed, who's cursed, who's got things right with God based on feelings, circumstances, symptoms. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And really, we've got to get this right because so many people have heard these false teachings and they're, they're desperate because they contact us and they think, I must be cursed. The demons must have me. Right. I need somebody to help me. I need a, a person to get the demons out of me. I need some, somebody to find the cause of the curses. 
Right. And what they, what we need to do, all of us is believe the promises of God, trust that he's at work in our trials, bring our needs to him in prayer and just rest. (laughs) We need to rest in what he's done for us. Give God the glory. Yeah. Give God the glory. There's another incident in the gospels where 10 lepers are cleansed and one came back and worshiped and gave thanks to God. The other forgot about, they had their syndrome relief. Right. And so in the bottom, uh, excuse me, the conclusion of that sort of thinking is, do we believe that we need forgiveness of sins, atonement, redemption, cleansing, and the promise of the resurrection and eternal life and everything that God said, or do we want to feel better for the short time of this life and trust that means we must be right with God? Right. That's exactly what it comes down to. And you know, scripture is not silent on the issue of trials and what we ought to do. One passage we've talked about before is James 1, but I think it's relevant here. God's word tells us why we have trials and what we ought to do. In James 1, starting with verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God's using our trials in ways we don't see, but we can trust that they're for our good and for his glory. Yes, that same passage just was in my mind. Yeah. So you either count it joy or you look for a better deliverance counselor. Right. Or you go over to the Dominion camp and start trying to have faith in your own words. They literally say that. Yes. And we're going to actually come to that probably in our next episode. We'll, We'll talk more about that. But it's really the very same thing that was going on in Jeremiah here. We'll certainly carry out every word that has proceeded from our mouths. That That is just so shocking. I know. Let me read verse 18 of Jeremiah 44. Okay. More symptoms. But since we stopped burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we've lacked everything and have met our end by sword and famine. Okay. So, So they're again, taking symptoms and circumstances and trying to find theological truth in them. You cannot gain theology by looking at circumstances who's worse off uh, vis-a-vis other persons. And, um, boy, I've run into that so much in so many years of ministry. I ran into some, some people we knew decades ago and who got disillusioned, with a lot of people do. They got disillusioned because they didn't like what had happened after they become Christians. Yeah. And one lady said to me that I knew in the 70s, well, I'm working on a book. And it's in the book is going to be titled. So I became a Christian and my life went to hell. Oh, wow. That's what she told me. How sad. There's others. I've heard more stories like that. Because I don't know why people thought that becoming a Christian meant everything's going to be great. I'll have all kinds of fun and 
goodness and greatness and everything will be fine. Yeah. yeah. If things are wrong, then I'm just going to become an atheist or I'm going to leave or I'm going to live for the devil. It's happened a lot. Yeah. And it's really sad, frankly. Well, it's quite the opposite of what Jesus said would happen when we were saved. He said in this world, we'll have trials and tribulations, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Right. Frankly, so, I think that a lot of bad teaching that was coming out in those years. Okay. Had people believing things were promises that really weren't promises. Yes. And that's what causes a lot of the disillusionment. Okay. Well, was, yeah. See that right here in Jeremiah. Because so many people said that, well, it didn't work. So I went to something else. Right. And, you know, and now, now today, those same teachings are still out there and we have the prosperity gospel and all of that. And it just spreads that much faster because everything can be circulated on the, in, you know, on the internet in a matter of seconds. And it just gets, it grows exponentially. Right. And frankly, I'm going to grab a book I found. Um, in my heresy library. Yeah, I got a stamp too. All right. So this is one. Healing the uh, Sanford's spirit. John mm -hmm. and Paula Sanford. Not, I think they mentioned Agnes Sanford who wrote one of the first books on inner healing. Yeah. But look how thick it is. Wow. Okay. okay. And these are the people that wrote the transformation of the inner man. But if you start looking through this, it's, it's endless. Yeah. These books are so thick. And then, well, this works and that doesn't work. And stories about we tried this and somebody did that. But you end up with symptoms again and trying to fix them. Right. And the reason we cite Jeremiah was in Jeremiah 17. It says... The heart is desperately wicked. Yeah. Deceitful. Mm -hmm. Who can know it? Right. What's the implied answer? No one. But God. But God, yes. Yeah. Because then he goes on and says, I, the Lord, know the heart. I, the Lord, save and heal. Yes. So that's a little preview for what we're going to do in Sunday school tomorrow, but nobody will see this until way after that. But Yep. Um. This is ubiquitous, this version of trusting man this way, that way, or the other way. Okay. And you can really put just about everything into that um, category. Either right. you trust God and believe his promises and come to him on his terms, or you trust man, and then you can do lots of different things until you find your symptom relief. And in the end, you're probably still lost. Well, you're lost. But so many people decide, I don't really believe all this anyhow. And the okay. people who never did serve God seem to have it better. So right. why don't I just go do that? Yeah. And so a book, I became a Christian and my life went to hell. So how's that going to help you or anybody else? And you know, we've the, the title of this article that we've been discussing is the dishonoring of God that dishonors God. Right. And is there any evidence that 
what the Bible says about the creator, his plans, his purposes, the reason for the fall, Adam's and Eve's rebellion against God because they believed the lies of the serpent. You should be like God. You'll, God's keeping something from you. You're not going to get worse off. You're going to get better off. And then the, there's the fall, the, the sin nature, the promises of God's plan, which is through the seed of the woman. It's already right. in Genesis. Okay. Is there any evidence that some other religion is true? And what's said in the Bible is false? No. No. And did these things happen? What about prophecies in the Old Testament pointing to what happened in the New? Right. And they they actually happened the they way ha they said they would happen. People tried to explain it away by what was the one book, the Passover plot. Somebody wrote a book saying, aha, here's what they did. They figured out these passages. They made it look like all this really happened. Okay. But if you look at the details, in fact, interestingly, the Dead Sea Scrolls, once they were found, and identified, they're dated, they're translated. Here were prophecies about Messiah and the promises of God that are dated before the time of the New Testament. Right. Way before the Masoretic text of 950 AD. Yeah. And it verified that including Isaiah 53 and areas like uh, passages like that about a suffering Messiah, it was already predicted before it happened. Right. And somebody didn't make it up. And how would you convince the Romans? Well, why don't you just crucify this guy and convince the Jews? We think you should uh, uh, reject your own Messiah because then we can have this grand story. Yeah. This happened. It was predicted. Details. Bethlehem. Nazareth. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Miracles. Yeah. The uh, God will provide the lamb, the scapegoat. All of these things are in the Old Testament, and they were there long before God actually did it. Right. And, and, and I mean, even minor details, casting lots for his clothing. Yeah. I, it's and incredible. That's one, the, that's one of the arguments, by the way, for premillennialism. Right. Yeah, I have said to people, and I know a big chunk of the church doesn't believe that future Bible prophecy other than the resurrection and the final judgment should be taken literally. But then that would mean all of these details that were literally fulfilled in the first advent aren't going to have any bearing on the second because now you can't expect any literal fulfillment. Right. And that's not really even believable. No. And why... I mean, why would we expect that it would be different for the second advent? No, th there's no reason to expect that. And so what we're telling all of you, God has spoken. He's spoken authoritatively, clearly, in a way that's meaningful. The words that God spoke through his prophets and apostles and his own son are words that are meaningful to God who spoke, and to the humans who heard it, and the details of those words that God spoke have proven to be true 
again and again and again. And God did not promise that everyone who comes to him will have relief from temporal symptoms that they don't like. Right. The queen of heaven might give you that, but it's not good. Yes. And God's word came true. The captivity happened as prophesied. God even used that. He used Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what we're saying is this, believe the promises of God. It's simple version is trust him and believe him. And don't think that you can get more information from symptoms than you can from the clear, true, powerful promises of God. Amen. Well, we are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWitt. We'll see you next week.